Hello, and welcome to the One Trust Talks Tech podcast. This is episode number three, recorded on May 30th, 2023. My name is Roger Dean, and I work on the product team here at One Trust, and will be hosting this podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking to a couple product managers, Joe Rosa and Lawrence McNally, about some of the big features that were released in the spring release a couple weeks ago. We will not be going through the normal um, reading through the release notes, basically, in this one, because we've got a couple product managers join us. So that's going to be uh, exciting for everyone, I would imagine. Just a real quick reminder, this podcast reflects OneTrust's current expectations for product capabilities. Please be advised that dates and features may be subject to change and should not be relied upon when making purchase decisions. Okay, so let's start out with Joe Rosa, who is a product manager on the data mapping automation team here at OneTrust. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Joe's been working for a while on our enhanced inventory relationships. So maybe, Joe, start off for those people who don't really know what an inventory object is, maybe a brief description of what that is, and then we can jump into what you've been doing with the relationships. Yeah, great. So an inventory object refers to one of the four inventory types that we have in the data mapping module. So the four inventory types are assets, processing activities, vendors, and legal entities, where assets are like your applications, databases, different systems that contain personal information. Your processing activities are the actual business processes that you're conducting that use that information. Your vendors are the different third parties that you rely on to process that information on your behalf. And your legal entities are the different controllers or processors uh, who would be responsible for that, uh, for those business processes. Got it. Okay, thanks. So, so now let's talk a little about the relationships and what you've been working on with respect to um, enhancing those. So maybe what are the big things that you've been that, that, that have come out recently in the last release that have just really added a ton of value for our customers? Sure. And, and maybe I can start by giving a little context of what things looked like prior. To yeah, I was going to say that, but then so, maybe I was like, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that, but let's do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um, prior to the upgrades, um, we've always had this concept of a relationship between inventory records. So I could say, for example, this is the vendor that I use to conduct this processing activity. And I could create a relationship between those inventory records. But um, there wasn't as much kind of depth that um, as much depth that you could capture on that relationship. Uh, and our customers were asking for the ability to track much more granular information about that relationship. So what we've done in our upcoming release here is we've added the ability to capture a lot more information about the, those relationships. So some of those things are now a direction on the relationship. So it'll tell you kind of which way data is flowing. If I have a, a relationship between two vendors, for example, I know which vendor is sending the data and which vendor is receiving the data. Um, you have a uh, the ability to capture attributes about a relationship. So a big one here is being able to say for this relationship, what is the transfer mechanism if there's a data transfer going on there? And you can actually document the transfer mechanism on that relationship. So you um, 
so you can capture that additional level of detail. So what, what um, sorry to interrupt, what, what would, in the long run, or, or how would that help out a customer in just other than having really nice information to know? Is that required by um, authorities to know that, or is it just make the privacy and security of that those transfers much better to have that additional information on those? And knowing, knowing yeah, what so mechanism. Yeah, so there's always been a, a concept in privacy regulations of needing to, to track your transfer mechanism and kind of the legal basis for transferring data uh, from one country to another, specifically um, from the EEA to non-EEA uh, countries mm -hmm. is where a lot of customers start just because of the data protection laws in Europe and the need to have, uh, if you're transferring data outside of Europe, to have similar levels of protection on that data. Um, and so the, the SHREMS 2 decision was kind of the big need for this is um, what was found there was that um, countries like the, the U.S. and uh, other countries didn't have levels of protection adequate under um, the EEA data protection laws. And uh, some of the transfer mechanisms that were being used previously for those transfers uh, were no longer valid. And so companies were having to kind of update what their transfer mechanisms were for that data and then make sure that they were analyzing and evaluating what protections they had in place to secure those data Got transfers it. and yeah. maintain that level. Yeah, it makes sense. I and I suppose the direction part of that too, I mean, that just makes a ton of sense to me. And I assume that that goes along the same lines as, as the mechanism as well. You need to, Absolutely. Know, you need to yeah. know which direction the data is going whether it's out or in. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. So keep going. Yeah. So a, a few other things we've added to the relationship object is the ability to transfer a, or to capture a contextual processing activity. So this gives you um, like the, the information that you need to understand why a given data transfer is occurring. So if I'm sending data from A to B, now I can specify what is the actual processing activity and the reason for that mm. transfer. Okay. Um, you can track the granularity of the specific personal data elements that are transferred. So uh, before you kind of had data elements on object one and data elements on object two, but on the relationship, you can say these were the specific elements that are passed between one and two. Now, we've, now we support the ability to say, you know, data elements, first name, last name, and email are actually involved in that uh, specific transfer. Okay, got it, yep. Uh, and then finally, um, some of the other things that you're familiar with, inventory objects, where you're able to capture things like risks, specifically on a relationship. You can add contracts or documents. So if you have, uh, you know, agreements in place for how data is protected in your different data transfers, you can attach those documents and contracts there. Uh, and you, we support the controls functionality to say what controls are in place that protect those transfers. Makes sense. So, yeah, risks. Um, risk would be big. I mean, obviously, if you being able to track what could potentially go wrong with this uh, with this transfer and being able to track that and, and monitor it and, and put some controls in place around that risk, I I'm sure would be very helpful. So, 
what overall, what does this give our customers now with these enhancements that they didn't have before, kind of in a nutshell? Yeah, it gives them the ability to track more granular information about their inventory to inventory relationships and data transfers um, and just be able to report on those in a much easier way um, so that you can comply with um, regulations um, and so is it is it safe to say it kind of with all of this information does this make it easier for uh, customers to report on their activities to just help maintain their compliance yeah and find out where there's gaps find out well. where there's gaps um, yeah sure absolutely cool that's awesome so is this this is now available as of the last release uh, so this is available um, by request at the moment. Um, we are doing an upgrade for all of our customers throughout the uh, summer. So um, it does require a little bit of, um, uh, it, it does have a different kind of schedule depending on uh, the customer. Okay. Um, we've we've put documentation on our my.onetrust page as well as we have emails that we've sent out notifying our customers of which batch they will be upgraded under and what those dates are um and yeah so everyone can be expect to have this throughout the summer so this is one of those enhancements it's not just uh in the front end it's actually something on the back end we had to obviously made a ton of changes so we had to add additional features in the back end that causes some sort of upgrade to a new system i would assume yeah so um basically we've added like this new ability to track additional information about transfers. Um, and as part of that, we kind of changed the data model. Um, and so with that, we need to upgrade all of our customers to that new data model. All the existing information they had there will continue to be there. There won't be any changes there. Um, we're just adding the additional functionality on top of uh, what they already have Makes in the sense. new data model. Um, and so customers can start to take advantage of that. Cool. Okay. And that's that schedule is documented on my one trust. People can go in to see when their environment's scheduled to be upgraded. That's correct. Perfect. Uh, anything else you'd like to add or, or are we good? Yeah. One other exciting um, feature that comes along with this upgrade is our new data graph functionality so previously oh yeah yeah um, so i'm glad you missed that i saw that this is really cool sorry go ahead <laughs> yeah so previously um when it came to the visuals in one trust we had the asset map which kind of showed you where all your different applications and databases hosted throughout the world um, we had our cross-border map which showed you um, where data was being transferred um, and then we had our lineage map which kind of broke down a specific processing activity and told you here's the different systems and vendors and assets where data was flowing as a part of the context of that business process. Now, what we've done with the data graph is we've given customers the ability to instead of look at a single business process um, and see how data is flowing in the context of that process, We've now given them the ability to look at an asset or a vendor or a legal entity and understand specifically for that asset, where is it sending data, regardless of the processing activity 
Um, so I could look at, you know, my Salesforce application and I could see and I could visualize all of its relationships to other vendors, to other assets, to business processes. And I don't have to do that in the in the context of a, a single processing activity. Uh, OK, wow. That's very, really, really powerful. Yeah, it's definitely um, a view that I think will be very helpful for our technical teams to really understand, you know, how is data flowing out of um, a given system or from a vendor to other vendors? Yeah. Do you think people discover things that they really didn't even know was happening? Yeah, I think um, that's always kind of been the case when companies undergo data mapping exercises is, uh, you know, someone tells you something in an assessment or you do data discovery and you find things that you weren't aware of. And a lot of what, you know, what data mapping is done, designed for is to figure out what those things are and then go fix it and take the, the appropriate actions right. to mitigate right. anything that you found there. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, and there's a cool, um, you get a cool world map too, where it shows kind of lines and where things are moving around too also or did i, ima did yep, I imagine that yeah 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 our cross-border map yeah. um will take all this data transfer information and really uh help you visualize where data is flowing um and uh has really cool like clickable lines where you can click on those you can see what are the specific data transfers you can see the details about that transfer and so you're kind of starting with a visual interface and then you're clicking you into it and seeing the specifics of you know what those protections are nice awesome looking forward to it and i know our customers are looking forward to it as well thank you so much joe for coming on and explaining all this i really appreciate it thanks a lot roger all right our next product manager that we're going to have joining us is lawrence mcnally who works on the um, which team are you on specifically i should have should have made a note of that but i forgot to no worries. I'm on the one platform team. So we're a platform team that works to integrate data discovery across all of OneTrust and also on the AI governance product that we're starting our early access program to. Oh, perfect. Good. I, I couldn't have said that any better. Um, <laughs> so you've been working hard on something that I've mentioned a few times in the past called a, a projects object. And it I think I understand what it is, but maybe can you just give an explanation of what it is and, and what what's the purpose of it? Like, why would anyone be interested in this? Yep. Uh, the why behind it is uh, our customers have been asking for it for many years is to add a fifth inventory object to track projects. So outside of your assets and your processing activities, they wanted to track a project. And this is really important for privacy by design, especially with the new ISO standard that was released but you can now have a privacy by design project. So if someone wants to introduce some change, not actually active into their system, but they want to explore that change under a project, they can do it using our privacy by, de privacy by design template and uh, assess it under a project record. So what would be an example of a project? Could this be, I wanted to start a new advertising campaign or I wanted to, Maybe I'm gonna a project would be we're gonna do a big trade show or something like that. It, it doesn't have to be a specific thing. It's just like the company is is undertaking some sort of project, um, and that that's what this would be used for. Just so we can th people would start thinking about privacy um, when they're when they're creating these projects. Exactly. So it, it it can be anything from 
an acquisition, you're looking at acquiring a company and you're doing privacy projects, uh, uh, like assessing each part of the business unit that you're acquiring. What's the overall privacy impact for your company? In other cases, internally at OneTrust, we use the project object to track our AHA idea or initiatives. Hmm. And when they get created, you do an assessment on that initiative at the point of creation. So this is like the shift left mentality and ensuring privacy is at the start of the design process and not a retrospective uh, process. Yeah, I think that's a big thing is it's just not bolted on at the end. When you get to near the end, you go, oh, we should have thought about privacy or privacy. Exactly. Uh, it's exactly. Now, now you're thinking about it at the beginning. Yeah, it makes sense. Perfect. Okay. Um, so with respect to that, what is what is involved with using one of this uh, project objects or um, what should customers just really understand? Is it very similar to the other other inventory items that are there? Yep, it's very similar to the four existing inventory items in, in data mapping, but you have to have an AA enterprise license. Okay. So it's for enterprise AA customers or PIA and DPA customers. So you will see it appear under the the projects tab in PIA and then underneath a, the existing inventory tab in data mapping. And if you don't see it appear, it's because you don't have the Data license in that tenant. Got it. Okay. Yep. yep. Perfect. Um, and what do you envision customers? I mean, obviously it's obvious that this, what they can use it for, but how do you envision this just helping them in general? It, it's been helping a lot of customers. Uh, they're using it as like, an, an extra inventory. In, in some cases, I've seen them use it for like products. So they have different product lines mm -hmm. and that's not just an asset or it's not a processing activity. So they're, they're translating the name to products and then building out each of their product lines and then doing privacy assessments on the, the overall product line itself. So that's one example. And then I think uh, as the new ISO standard, it was released in February. That's a huge shift uh, in asking customers to start doing privacy by design at the start of a process as opposed to retrospectively. So, it. so uh, it'll uh, really help with that, following those standards, mm -hmm. as well as help keep customers organized and being able to, to think about privacy up front. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um, from the research we did on uh, speaking to customers, we spoke to probably 300 customers in different webinars. Uh, a lot of the main the reasons privacy by design isn't implicated or or implemented, implemented is yeah is because they they find out about it too late in the business, like they they have to cut corners or they have to like make trade offs because they didn't know when this was being designed, and the yeah. right teams and the right stakeholders weren't brought into the room, and then there's this uh, trade off uh, retrospectively. And that's what you're trying to get away from when shifting left. Right, right. So you're thinking about it up front. Who, who do we need to include? Um, what teams, what processes do we need to be put in place to take, take into privacy into consideration? That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this now available in the product to enterprise customers or is it, is it under trial or how does this work? Yep, it's fully available in the spring release or our AA enterprise licenses. Perfect, awesome. That sounds really cool. Um, but you're excited to have it out. Really excited. We've been working on this for over 
over a year and a half. It's it's based on a different framework than some of the existing inventory. Okay. So that's a really exciting framework that the platform team were working on. Uh, so excited to get the product out there. Yeah, I was just the other other guy on the product manager on the podcast is Joe, and we were talking about relationships and you know the enhanced relationships. So I'm assuming that all of that stuff that we talked about there, since this is an inventory item, can apply to the to the projects objects as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So you can relate your project to all the different uh, existing inventory. Wow, really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. All right, awesome, Lawrence. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks very much, Roger. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks to Joe and Lawrence for coming on, giving some great information. Next week, we will be looking at the training team and what the new new things they're bringing out. So if you're interested in becoming certified at OneTrust or in the learn just learning about the product or taking some classes, that that's what we'll cover next week, as well as I'll look into the next release, which is the first week of first release of June, the 2023 06.1.0 which should just be going to production or going being deployed out to production environments. So that will be out on Monday, June 5th. And uh, as always, if you have any feedback, please email me at podcast at onetrust.com. If you're interested in a topic to be covered or a guest to be on, please let me know. And I will do my best to take care of that. Uh, just send me an email, podcast at onetrust.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.